Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Ron Barber with us, of course, for the entire couple hours tonight. And his website is lineofduty.com. We're joined with Randy Sutton, a 34-year law enforcement veteran, 24 years on the Las Vegas Metro Department, one of the department's most highly decorated officers. He's the author of several excellent books on policing. He's been on the television show Cops many times. He's even acted in several movies, playing usually a police officer. Randy's the founder of the WoundedBlue.org, which tries to help officers injured and hurt on the job with resources and support. Randy, welcome to the program, and Ron is with us still. It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Look forward. Randy, you better live up to the billing. I just called you a national treasure. <laughs> sure. Next time I'm in Las Vegas, Randy, I'll look you up, by the way. And I don't think there may be a cocktail in that in that uh, for you. But we won't be driving, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Ron. Randy, uh, You've heard the program up to this point, and the, the pri- a primary question I've got for you is how many, just off the top of your head, how many thousands of traffic stops were you involved in, either as primary or backup, in your career? Just a guess. <laughs> in my in, in my thirty four year police career. Uh, I'm going to have to guess somewhere around mm, 15,000. 15,000? Okay, so let me ask you this. Of all the incidents you have dealt with where a subject had a gun, had used it to commit a crime, had used it in the process of committing a crime, had a firearm in his or her possession, all of the above, in all of those incidents cumulatively what percentage of them had the gun legally in their possession very few very few uh, very few crimes committed with firearms are uh, are committed by people who legally possess firearms where do, uh, where do they get these guns Randy uh, well generally speaking they steal them or they they purchase them on the street after they are stolen uh, where they purchase them um, illegally from uh, from street dealers, they're not um, you know we, criminals don't care about the laws. They don't care about you know purchasing a firearm and going down to the going down to the gun store and giving their identification, going through the background check. It's not something that is in, in their in their in their book. No, it's it's uh, they they get a firearm. From uh, the various sources, and uh, and and you know that that's one of the misnomers about about people you know wanting to legislate um, crimes away. The, the, the crimes are already on the books. Those who commit those crimes, they don't care about them. They don't care about the laws, and it's the same thing with firearms laws. I'm a concealed weapons permit holder. I've got the right to carry in states that honor that. If if law-abiding people, and I consider myself one of them, if they took our guns away, would the criminal, the perpetrator, the would-be robber still be able to get a gun? Oh, absolutely. You know, it, this is this is one of those things that that kind of um, when I when I watch what's going on around America today, 
and I see the calls for more and more gun laws, uh, it, it's almost comical because it's absurd. Look at the look at the states that have the most stringent gun laws. States like um, Illinois, Chicago, where where the where the murder rate is absolutely, you know, beyond comprehension, and they have some of the strongest gun laws that are on the books in America. Well, those laws, um, while they are there on paper, don't mean a thing because the 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 reality is that they are not enforced. You, when when you have when you have laws that will put real bad guys away for long periods of time, which would have a dramatic effect on the uh, on the violent crime rate, but they are not utilized. It becomes a joke, and that's what's happening all across America. And yet, you have politicians that that want to create more laws when the laws that are in effect would be adequate if they were properly utilized. Ron, in the old days, when uh, cops used to walk a beat, uh, and we're talking uh, the 1920s and stuff, there was a respect for police officers from citizens. Ron, do you still feel that today? Is it there or is it gone? I, uh, I feel that in many cases it's gone. I feel that that is one of the reasons why so many cops are bailing out of the profession or choosing not to get into the profession in the very first place. When you've got a situation like Mayor de Blasio of New York inculcating his own son into a negative awareness of cops, these sorts of things resonate when adults don't show respect for law enforcement. What do you think their progeny is going to do? Exactly. And Randy, do you feel as if the public does not support police by and large these days? You know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a great question. And I actually believe that most of the American people do support American law enforcement. Uh, but they are, in fact, what, we, <laughs> what we've come to be known as the silent majority. Um, there have been a number of studies done. The, um, uh, probably one of the most telling came out about two years ago, and it had, um, uh, a res- it had the respect level of, uh, of people in America, both in uh, communities of color and, and communities that were predominantly white. And it was very telling because the white communities had about a 72% respect level for police, respect and trust. And communities of color were only just marginally below that, about 67%. Mm-hmm. So you can see that the reality is far different than what is portrayed in the media and in, um, you know, those who have political motivations. They, they espouse that, 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 you know, the people don't trust the police in, in black communities and, and, you know, throughout America. Truly believe that the opposite is true. But you have um, a media that reports only the negative about the police 
and uh, and they're following a political agenda, and and that political agenda, unfortunately, is being perpetuated by even politicians that are running for the president of the United States. I had an event. I had an event uh, to go to uh, last weekend at Scottsdale, Arizona, and I flew out of Burbank Airport, and they've got police officers stationed there, obviously. And I went up to uh, the one that was standing by the side of this door that I went into, and just said, "Just want to thank you for what you do." You would have thought that I gave him a million bucks. It it was it was great just to see him smile and say thank you. Absolutely. Uh, could I ask Randy a question in regard to uh, a few minutes ago? Randy, uh, last week on our Facebook page, we put on a video of a subject who, uh, a, a violent felon who had a gun. He was threatening the cops. He was threatening to jump over a bridge. He finally turned and ran with the gun. The officers ended up shooting him in the back and killing him. And the video uh, would make one perhaps have some questions, but when you read it in full context, you realized that the officers were very concerned because this man was running towards a group of children. So what I have been saying for freaking ever is, is you cannot rely on headlines. You cannot rely on 15 seconds of video. And yes, there are a number of circumstances where an officer can absolutely justifiably shoot a subject in the back, right or wrong. Absolutely correct. You know, this is one of those, uh, this is one of those topics that is, um, you know, it's very controversial. But, you know, this is where reality and, uh, and, and, and public perception differ. Reality is that law enforcement officers have a duty, and that duty is to protect the people that they serve. When you have an individual who is armed, someone who has shown a propensity for violence, and that individual is, uh, is running towards a group of people that... And he's uh, got a gun in his hand, for crying He's got a gun in his hand. That officer has not only not only the right but the duty to protect those people, and 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 let me let me give you a personal perspective, okay? Because this is this is uh, something that occurred to me personally. Uh, one of the fatal shootings that I I was involved in during my career um, was an active shooter, an individual who was shooting at, at kids at a high school dance. And uh, when I got to the scene, uh, he was he was walking towards a group of people. He had his back to me, and I had to make that decision. The decision that you know, um, you know. Here, well, let me point something else out that I think probably most people do not know, and that is that uh, less than five percent of law enforcement officers in the United States will ever use their weapon. In the line of duty, you know, there's a there's a misconception out there that cops are out there getting in gunfights all the time. It, it is it is truly a, um, a a situation that takes place very very few times throughout a law enforcement officer's career, if ever. 
Randy, we're coming up on the second year anniversary of the tragedy in your city in Las Vegas, October 1st, 2017, when Stephen Paddock went ballistic from the Mandalay Bay and shot shot everybody. Were you on duty that day, or what? Can you recall what happened? Well, I recall very well. I was I was retired by the time that took place, but as a journalist um, and a, and an individual who makes law enforcement commentary, I was. I was called out uh, within minutes of that time to report on that that uh, that shooting, and it was a it was a an incredible it was an incredible experience because the um, the initial reports were that there was a uh, coordinated terrorist attack taking place, oh my God. and that there was a number of casinos who were being attacked. And that was that was the original report because um, what was taking place at the time led to mass confusion. You know, there was such a um, there, was, there was such a number of uh, of gunshots going off. The echoing from those gunshots were reverberating throughout that area of casinos. And while people were being struck and they were running in different directions. Some of those people were running into different casinos. So the, the initial reports were that there were active shooters taking place, and it was an active terrorist attack. Um, so that was the initial report. And you can imagine the panic that was taking place. Um, and, and as those, I, I literally was in uh, a television station reporting on that for hours as those reports were coming in. So it was mass mass confusion. I was on the air that night, and we were hearing exactly what you just said, Randy, uh, that there could have been multiple shooters because of the way people were running around in the different spots and areas. It was horrible. It was horrible. And, and, and it, was, it was almost inconceivable, and yet this is actually what, um, what the, the Las Vegas Police Department has been training for Quite literally, for years, because the um, uh, the Las Vegas area was actually, you know, visited by the the terrorists uh, who who struck the World Trade Center. Uh, so we we knew for years that this was a, a targeted area by uh, by Muslim terrorists. So when this took place. Um, it was it was initially um, thought that this was a, a coordinated attack taking place in in Las Vegas. So there was uh, there was mass confusion, as takes place in any active shooter. Uh, but this in this situation was an anomaly. Um, you know, the, I I don't I am unaware that there has been any situation. Uh, that that was similar to the attack from the Mandalay Bay. Uh, I agree. They, they, they still haven't come up with a motive of why Paddock did what he did. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, it's completely bizarre. And 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 here's my theory on that. And I believe me, I've given a lot of thought to this, and I've I've done you know my own you know my own research into it. And and Stephen Paddock, um, Stephen Paddock w- was an anomaly. He didn't fit any pattern whatsoever. He didn't have a radical uh, uh, past. He didn't have a criminal past. 
he was uh, he was economically, um, you know, <laughs> he, he was okay when, the, when yeah. it came down to money. Um, he didn't he didn't fit any of the patterns at all, and yet he he was so evil. He had such a propensity for violence that he could um, he could plan and plot this incredible attack um, so effectively. And I and and, he, and here's my theory, and that is that we'll never know what motivated him, and that is his last. Screw you to us. Yeah, that's true. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.